This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Quite a few years ago, actually it was the year 1972, I think it was, I came to Myrtle Beach to begin pastoral ministry here at a church in Myrtle Beach. During those early days, uh, we were making plans to begin to build a new sanctuary. The old one was being outgrown and God was blessing us with more and more people attending. So plans were made and over a period of years, a, a new sanctuary was completed. When that sanctuary was begun, we had been talking about uh, offering our Sunday morning services to the community by way of television. We had the great cooperation of some people at a local television station who assisted us in that. And so it, it was something that came into being after many prayers and much work. And we began televising our services every Sunday morning from that church. Now, I must confess that when the realization that I was going to be on television every Sunday dawned upon me, it was somewhat of a frightening thing. I didn't know how I was supposed to respond to that. And uh, as the days moved on, I, I felt myself trying to examine my own inner thoughts regarding our television services. I was preaching to the congregation that came. But what about those untold, unseen people? who were watching and listening by television. <clears throat> the same is true with us today here at Ocean Lakes. We have a podcast, just the sermon, not the entire service with the music, but the podcast. And I've been told that we have listeners of our podcast in all 50 states of the United States, and we have uh, listeners in 28 different countries of the world. That's a sobering thought for me. When I think about that, those statistics I've been given, uh, I, I, I examine my own self. Something down inside me urges to say, oh, that's wonderful. You have quite a ministry in what you're doing in preaching. Well, if I were to say that, uh, that's not really what I would want to convey to most people. That would uh, sort of be vain and conceited sounding. And you know, a preacher is not, uh, not supposed to be like that. A preacher is supposed to be modest and unassuming. Well, let me ask you a question, if, and be honest about it now. Suppose you were to appear on television knowing that you had a potential viewing audience and the thousands of people. Would the thought enter your mind, who's going to be watching me? <laughs> well, years ago, when my son was just a little toddler, uh, we went to a summer camp one summer. He was not old enough to uh, be the age of most of the campers there, but since his pastor, his dad was the pastor of that week, uh, he went along with us. And uh, there came time for swimming. My son Jim really loved that time in camp. Of course, he was not able to swim yet at that time, but he had a little plastic inner tube that he put on, and he had the time of his life jumping off the deck or, or the, the dock, whatever it was, and into the arms of his daddy, who stood down there in the shallow water. Uh, frantically, every uh, jump he made was exciting. 
But every time he jumped into my arms, it was preceded by his saying, watch daddy, or watch me, mommy, or watch Betsy. Betsy was a lifeguard. He wanted to be seen as he, uh, to use the current phrase, as he did his thing, jumping into the water. Well, now, whether it be an adult who appears on television or a child who's frolicking about in the water or any one of us going about our normal daily activities, every one of us plays out the drama of our life to some audience. And deciding what we're going to uh, do day by day, where we're going to go, the clothes we shall wear, there's always some individual or group or even a supernatural power whose opinion we value, whose approval we desire. We don't care, perhaps, what most other people think, but what our own chosen audience of significance thinks will be all important. A teenager says, everybody's doing it, or mother, I'm the only one who can't do this or that. What they're really saying is, what my friends think about me matters a great deal. Well, that doesn't stop in uh, the years of a toddler or teenager. You who are wives listening to me right now, why do you cook a delicious meal? Why do you vacuum and clean your house if you're the one who does that? Why do you put on a pretty attractive outfit? Why do you go to the beauty parlor or the hairdresser? Well, that's a good question. (laughs) Wouldn't you agree with me at, at least that part of the answer to these questions is found in what somebody else is going to think about your actions, they're going to say, oh, that was a great meal you cooked. Or you really keep a tidy, clean house. Or maybe they say, oh, what a mess. Or, uh, hey, oh, that dress you're wearing, that outfit you have on looked great on you. Or maybe I like your hair fixed like that. You see, we play out our lives to some audience. We care what somebody thinks. Now, men, you're not left out of this. We could ask a similar question of you concerning your daily activities. Uh, Why do you drive the kind of car you drive if you're able to afford a a nice-looking, snazzy car? Or what about the clothes you wear? Uh, Is it true the suit makes the man? Or anybody wear a Rolex watch other than just to tell the time of day? Well, the truth is, when we stop to think about it, we care about what somebody else thinks of us and our work. In the sixth chapter of Matthew that we read earlier in the service, several verses there, we saw Jesus probing to the very heart of this matter. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 1, Beware practicing your piety before men in order to be seen by them. Fellow pastor, a friend of mine, says this, two important points here. One, everybody does have an audience that affects us. And two, if we're playing out our lives to the wrong audience, then we ought to change to the right one. Let's look at these two ideas more closely. First, the audience we play out our lives uh, to and for may not be the one we think we have, but we all have an audience that affects us. Let me illustrate by what Jesus said. There were three customs in the Jewish faith when Jesus was walking the hills of Galilee and and what we call the Holy Land. Three customs that everybody knew about. Almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. 
Now apparently all three of these were done for God and for God alone. But Jesus punctured this balloon when he suggested that they pay attention to how these acts are really performed. First, almsgiving. The Pharisees had a practice of taking their gift and getting it broken down into the smallest possible currency when they went to the temple. For example, to put it in our own term today, if they had a $20 bill they wanted to give, they wouldn't dare give a $20 bill. They'd get it broken down into nickels or uh, maybe 2,000 pennies. And then at the busiest time of the day, when most people were around, these Pharisees would go to the temple and pour out their gift into the large container, which was located in the outer court of the temple. Oh, the noise that gift would make. Oh, the attention it would attract. Almsgiving. Or prayer. The pious Jew had the habit of praying every day at 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock noon, and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. There were those who just happened each day to be found at these times on the busiest street corners rather than at home alone or in the temple or in some quiet place. And these Jews would then raise their hands to heaven and pray with a loud voice. Oh, what marvelous dedication onlookers could think. What about fasting? The origin of fasting was that When a person was anxious to achieve a particular objective, he wouldn't even bother to eat. Other things were more important than eating. Fasting became a mark of real commitment. But certain Pharisees had let this become an end within itself, just the denial of food only. And Jesus exposed this whole process for what it was, religious acts, but played to the audience of people. Supposedly, these Pharisees were doing all these things for God, but not so. Must have been quite a shock to these self-righteous Pharisees to have their real motives thus exposed. And so also it may come as a shock to some of us when we get out to the truth about some of our own religious acts, which are played out to other people, but not to God. For example, I remember many years ago, I don't know if it's carried through today, but our Remember when we had a lot of little small churches, like my daddy was pastor of when I was growing up, we'd get to have the church have a business meeting and the the leader would say, how's the best way to raise some money when you need it in the church? And the preacher would be instructed, here's the way to do it, preacher. You just get everybody inside and you tell them, now we're going to hear from some of our members. Who's going to give the first thousand dollars? And up stands the first Pharisee, uh, I mean member. <laughs> All right, fine. Thank you, brother, what his name was. Ah, right, who's going to give the next $1,000? <laughs> and so, not to be outdone, another person volunteers. For the Lord? No. But Jesus did not stop with saying that we have an audience, daring us to name that audience for who it really is. In the second place, Jesus goes on to tell us, who our audience really ought to be. Jesus makes this idea very clear through the use of the term rewards. You know, there's two different kinds of rewards. One is in terms of a bribe, which is held out and given under certain standards when the standard is met. Like a father says to his son, son, if you make a B average the next six weeks, then I'm going to let you drive the family car on weekends. Here, the reward is 
unrelated directly to the achievement. But there's another kind of reward that is related. A father might tell his son, son, if, you're gonna, if you'll make good grades in these last years of high school, then you're going to be in a better position to choose the college you might want to attend or the school after high school. It is in this sense that Jesus refers to those who do their religious acts before others for their approval. Jesus says they already have been paid in full. They've already received all the reward they're going to get. Someone expressed it this way, if we make any group other than God our audience, all we're going to get is that group and their limitations, what they are and what they want to make us to be. But if, on the other hand, we make God our audience, all the expanse of a loving father will be ours. Suppose you choose another person or a group of people as your audience. Your aim is to please that person or that group. If the level of pleasure for that person or the group is very low, then perhaps your best will not be demanded. You can still please them by not doing your best. But say, on the other hand, the the customs and the likes of that other person or group do not coincide with yours. You must be like them in order to please them. So you take on a self or group imposed bondage, a limitation, a shackling. You want to be like them. But suppose your real audience is not another group or another person, but your real audience is God. He's the only one you're really trying to please. He loves your unique personality. He made it. He doesn't want blind conformity from you. He wants you to to aspire to be the best that there is in you. God, you see then, is our best audience, the one to whom we ought to play the drama of our lives every day. So the question is, whom would you rather try to please? Another group or person who would limit you according to their limits and who in the end really doesn't care very much about you at all? Or would you rather try to please God who knows you best and loves you most and who wants to give you the freedom to be all that you're capable of being? Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, came to show us the Father and to lead the way. As we look at his life, we can see that Jesus played out his whole life to God, the Father, and to God alone. You remember, Jesus prayed just in the last hours of his earthly life. He prayed, Thy will be done. I may have a desire myself, nevertheless, not as I will, but thy will be done. He was wanting to please the Father. Why then do you and I settle for slavery? Why do we often play out our lives to an audience that offers us so little and takes so much? In John 8, verse 36, we read, If the Son, that's the Son of God, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And so the question is, who is your audience Oh God, help us to make you and you alone the one whom we seek to please. And as we do so, remind us that the real joy in life 
comes not in pleasing somebody else or another group, but in pleasing the one who made us and who loves us most of all. Thank you for your love for us as you've expressed it in giving us your son, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. In his name we pray. Amen.